Hey everybody, Brand Waziak here, IASIS Podcast. I am with Kristen Searing, St. Louis County, Missouri. Kristen, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's, it's, it's Labor Day. Uh, by the time this thing gets uh, broadcast, it'll probably be a couple of weeks out. Um, Kristen, you are, I, I know you are a, a, a student of mine in the mobile class. You're sort of a heavy hitter in the uh, forensics world. Uh, tell us a little about, about you. Uh, sure. So... I started in digital forensics a little over three and a half years ago um, with St. Louis County Police Department. I am a civilian forensic examiner, and I'm actually in a unit that is all uh, civilian forensic examiners. Currently, there's six of us total, which is the most people we've had since I started working there. So it's really nice to have that. Um, yeah, I got into digital forensics because back when I was in graduate school, I did an internship with a different police department with their digital forensics unit and fell in love with it, um, kind of knew almost instantaneously that's what I wanted to do. But then for a few years, life took me on a different path. I ended up going into the FBI as an intelligence analyst for a few years. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to make my way back to St. Louis and I saw that St. Louis County PD was hiring and it was an opportunity to get into the digital forensics world finally. So I jumped on it quickly. Um, I've been loving it ever since. I have my CFCE. I obtained that in 2021. I also have the mobile certification through IASIS and I just love continuing to learn and um, the job is just as fulfilling as I always thought it would be. Crimes Against Children is a huge passion of mine, and so I love getting to contribute to that world every day through my job. So how was it that you went from five-year-old Kristen to, boom, here we are now, St. Louis County? Sure. So going back as far as I can remember, like at least middle school, if not earlier, I was always like that true crime nerd that was like watching Dateline and watching all the prison shows and cops. And I mean, that was literally 95% of the content that I consumed. I always like to say that I was like into true crime before it was trendy because now everyone says that yeah. they're into true crime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it, so it was just always like a fascination of mine. And then when I got to college and realized that you can actually like major in criminal justice and you can take classes about serial killers and learn about all types of crimes and organized crime and white crime, I was like, this is like Disney World for me. Um, so I was a psychology major for about two weeks and then I switched to criminal justice because I fell in love with my first class so much. Um, and then I thought I actually wanted to work in the prison system for most of my academic career. I wanted to be like a case manager or some sort of counselor. Uh, I don't know. I was always just in fast. I was always fascinated with um, the prison system, basically. Uh, and so I interned at a juvenile detention facility in undergrad. And then, like I said, I got to grad school and I was like, well, I need to do another internship let's do something different since I already did the prison thing. 
So I was like, let me try a police department. And then I got to the police department and I was like, why did I ever even consider the prison system? Like, this is incredible. This is where it's at. Um, so yeah, bas basically just a lifelong journey of being obsessively wanting to learn about crime and how to stop it and how to prevent it and how to help victims of crime. The, uh, it's funny you mentioned the, 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 the prison system is I, I just, uh, just watched the whole, the wife and I, or my wife and I just watched a uh, blackbird on Apple TV where, um, okay. the guy who played, uh, uh, Elton John, uh, yeah, he, he goes into a prison system and stuff. That was, um, uh, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like prisons. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> very scared of the yeah, prison. Like, <laughs> I'm very scared. Yeah, of like I said, Sure. Nowadays, I would not even consider it for a minute. I still commend the people who do work in the prison system and everything, but uh, law enforcement is definitely where it's at for me nowadays. So you, so you went. Uh, you're you're a civilian, um, St. Louis County. I, I've many times uh, through uh, you know um, uh, Hoover, Alabama, yeah, everywhere. Uh, St. Louis is a hotbed for digital forensics. Can you explain that? Because, I mean, I, I, there's always somebody somewhere uh, from St. Louis or, yeah. or, or surrounding area that I, I, I approach or has been in the class of mine or in any conferences. They're hotbed. And that, yeah, that's funny because, I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, yeah, there are a few other digital forensics groups around here, like the police department that I interned with. I think the city of St. Louis has a couple people. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like an, it doesn't feel like an overly huge network to me, but I think the digital forensic examiners that we do have in St. Louis, A, we're very busy because St. Louis definitely has no shortage of crime. <laughs> and B, I do think from the people I've met um, outside of my own workplace, I do think it's a group of dedicated, hardworking uh, law enforcement individuals. And so I like to think that maybe that's why you see them everywhere because, you know, hopefully they're getting the training that they need and um, like I said, St. Louis, there's always something going on. <laughs> We're never bored. Our backlog is pretty strong. So I think it's, yeah, it's, we definitely have the need for it here. Is it, um, I, I think what's the word, the RCFL, is it a, is it a RCFL or is it just, just a local county? That you work for. So I don't think there's an RCFL here. The closest one I know of is Kansas City. Okay. Uh, I think they've wanted to start one here, but it's never come through. But yeah, it's just all of us little individual police departments um, kind of doing our own stuff and, you know, sometimes sharing resources. And um, but yeah, it's it's between all the interstates that uh, that merge here. Yeah. And I don't know, just the you know some parts of the culture i guess or whatever i know we're always kind of up there on the <laughs> the crime charts so um yeah never a dull day well because you see like if you, you go to uh ncfi the national computer forensic institute in hoover alabama you, you they put the pins you know they put the pins and i mean i, I i'm gonna brag a little bit south carolina has a few pins but Missouri, the St. Louis area has, I mean, they can't put enough pins in, in, in it. I mean, it's crazy. That's so, funny. And, 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 you know, just, and 
yeah, yeah, outstanding, outstanding work uh, through that area. So it's just, it's, it's just, and, and speaking, speaking of Missouri, so food wise, what, what do you guys do? Barbecue? What do you, what, what do you, what, what, what's, what's happening food wise, Missouri? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So we definitely have our staples. So our Emo's pizza is the one thing that people either love it or hate it. I am not really a fan. It's like the cracker thin crust. Missouri like, Missouri pizza? Yeah. And then like, well, at least St. Louis. I don't know about Missouri as a whole. but And then it's like Provel cheese, which is a very unique animal on its own. Um, like I said, I can eat it. I'm not... I'm not like, oh, let's get emos, but some people around here definitely are. Uh, we also have our gooey butter cake that we're known for. Um, gooey butter cake on its own, I don't really care for. It's pretty sweet, but if you make like a gooey butter brownie, so have like a layer of brownie with a layer of gooey butter cake on top, that's a better mixture for me. So I'm kind of a weirdo because even though I'm a St. Louis native, I'm really not, like, a big St. Louis food person. And, like, same with barbecue. Like, you know, barbecue is fine. I've had it numerous places around yeah. the country. We we have some solid barbecue, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not anything that I, you know, we, we have some good food here, but it's a lot of kind of, like, one-off restaurants that I'm obsessed with. Interesting. Uh, the only thing I know about, and, and sadly, and it, it, it's 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 uh, sad, is the uh, is uh, Chevy Chase with his uh, American Vacation movie. You know, he goes mm -hmm. through St. Louis, and and it's uh, yeah. Oh, I, only because I have not been in, through that part of America yet. I've been I've been in the Northwest. Like, of course, I I grew up in the Northeast and stuff, and I live now in the sure. Southeast. Um. So have you, have you ever had a pork steak? No, no, what no. Okay. No. What is a So what? pork steak is that's a that's a you know cut of meat that I only ever really see in St. Louis and when it's done right it's so tender and delicious. You can also do it very wrong. So there's a fine line like some of them are really fatty. They can get tough really quick. But like I said, if you know how to cook them and you get a good piece of meat, it's delicious. And then also toasted ravioli. To uh, toasted ravioli? No, I do not. I do, I do not know that so, one either. No. Yeah, when <laughs> I lived when when I lived out in California, that was probably one of the things I missed the most because you could not find toasted ravioli, and it's literally you know little deep fried ravioli, and it's so good. Really? So okay, let, let's go back to pork steak. So are we, are we talking like like a sirloin or like, I mean. Is that or, or do so I just call those like pork chops here in South Carolina? I don't know what. what... Uh, I mean, and that's the thing. It's almost like a weird combination of the two. I mean, I'm like no big. I'm not a big meat gal. So, but my understanding is it's a, a specific cut of pork. Um, and then, like I said, you can either do it really well or you can do it really bad. <laughs> but it's kind of if you visualize like the texture of a steak and a pork chop, it's kind of somewhere in the middle is my experience with it so and, uh, do you do like a like a, a dipping sauce with it or is it like like if you there's you yeah there's usually like some barbecue sauce and like the ones that i've had you you know you know dip them in the barbecue sauce and then you cook them a little bit more and it kind of caramelizes a little bit so yeah definitely a hefty amount of good 
sweet barbecue sauce Inter- on the interesting. on the outside. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I gotta, I'm gonna write that down. Pork steak right now. You're just gonna have to come to St. Louis and go on a food tour. A fo- yeah, I, I love it. I'm a, I'm a foodie. I like not an obnoxious <laughs> foodie, but uh, sure. yeah, I, I do. Sure. I, I do enjoy. I want to be immersed whenever I go. I was uh, sure uh, in Nebraska uh, a few years ago, and I just said, "Give me everything, Nebraska." Like I don't want. Yeah. Just do not do not give me anything that's not from Nebraska. And they, they had like these meat pockets type thing. I forgot the name of yeah. the, I forgot the name of the uh the restaurant. But um but they're they're pretty much like uh yeah, like, Yeah, I, I have a rule that when I travel I don't eat anything that I can get at home. Yeah, correct. So, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. you know, there yeah. there might be the Outback Steakhouse on the corner that's convenient, but I'm not going to eat it <laughs> if I'm traveling. I, I got to find the local place because it's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You got to experience new stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Getting back, just real quick, I just want to talk to you uh, forensic-wise. Do you do... Uh, cell phone forensics as well as uh computer forensics but what's your what's your what's your what's your game correct yeah so i mean the bulk of what we see is cell phones but the most time consuming are the computer cases because most as yeah as most people in digital forensics are probably in the same boat but you know the computer cases is where most of the csam stuff comes in um, so, you know, I'll have one computer case going with, you know, maybe a couple laptops and a few hard drives and whatever. I could be working on that case for a couple of months. And in the meantime, I'm cranking out, you know, multiple yeah. phones a week. And um, so, yeah, if you if you kind of go into our vault where we store our cases, you'll see a lot more phones in front of you. But we always have a solid amount of computer cases coming in. So, yeah, the. For me, for me, like when I started this in 2005, uh, you know, computers were 20 gigabytes. Now, a, a phone, mm-hmm. a, that's the phones today alone. So when oh, yeah. we get, you know, we get two terabyte, two terabyte computers going on. Um, and then, you know, the expectation of results, I'm like, it, it, it takes a long time especially csam cases uh you know live victim cases uh yeah I, I spoke about it prior in other episodes uh ai does a good job but you still have to put human eyes on every single image you're doing oh yeah yeah it's the whole it's the whole trust but verify um and it's always kind of that debate of you know you, you get tempted once you find a certain number of images or videos to stop your analysis. But then there's always that argument of, you know, what if there are unknown victims, you know, in that set of photos yep. and you stopped on you stopped on photo 4000, but they were photo 4001. Yes. Yes. And so yes. that, that's a constant struggle because, like, you know, we have to balance our backlog with doing you know, thorough work. And of course, in my opinion, thorough work should always be your number one priority. Um, but it's, it's difficult to manage for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, we, we have, uh, you know, quality versus quantity, but I agree with that. You, you have to, it's quality, uh, I, qual- yeah. quality of work is, is what's going to save you in court. And that's what's mm-hmm. going to make you sleep 
well at night, I guess. Oh, for sure. That's what's going to save <laughs> you know? the victims. Yes. So, yep. yes. And, and touching on that, um, I noticed, because uh, you, you and I are friends uh, offline or not uh, doing this, um, you know, with the, with the work we do, uh, uh, mental health resilience is is a huge is a huge thing. Uh, was not was not so big uh, when I first started, uh, but it is now. Um, it, it's 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 a growing trend. Uh, I have to. Well, I don't want to say I have to. Uh, my my agency offers me mental health if I want it for free. Here we go. You know, um, and I know I know you 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 guys you visit horse farms. You know, just to, just to <laughs> chill out, right? Yeah. So we we do some pretty cool stuff, um, mental health wise. So we did we have done equine therapy. Um, we were contacted. Actually, I believe it was the sergeant. I think he's a sergeant who's in charge of our wellness unit at the police department. Was contacted by a local equine therapy center who works a lot with veterans and um, children with disabilities and all sorts of people with different situations, and had offered the police department a few f- uh, free sessions to have a group come and participate in the equine therapy and thankfully he was kind enough to think of digital forensics and was like I have the group of people to send because he knows what our mental health Mm -hmm. needs are and so uh, he volunteered us and we happily agreed to go because it sounded awesome and we did that a couple months ago and it was absolutely fantastic getting to be hands-on with the horses but then at the same time they have you know licensed counselors there so you're kind of doing stuff but then you end up talking about stuff at the same time um, we also have therapy dogs that, that come into our unit once a month um, that they hang out for about an hour and that's through an organization, um, called champ. Um, and it's all, they're all, you know, licensed therapy dogs. Um, we also, uh, have mandated counseling that we do. Um, it's required that you go at least once a year. If you're a new person, it's required that you go like at least four times a year, I think. Um, and then we also have, uh, one group therapy session per year, And this was all brought about by uh, one of our former examiners got into the job and then about a year into it, he kind of realized that he just didn't want to or couldn't deal with the CSAM stuff mentally. You know, he was a, a younger guy about to get married, wanting to have kids soon. And I think he just realized that trying to balance dealing with that and then his own personal life was just going to be too much. And so it was such a wake-up call to the department that, hey, we will actually lose people because of the mental aspect of this job. So they then, you know, put all these things in action, which I think is fantastic because it's just, it feels like they have your back when you see your workplace. Okay, something happened, and now we're going to actually put tangible measures in place to try to prevent that from happening again because they want us to be, you know, in a mentally good place. And I, we are all very appreciative of that, but yeah, we get some super cool opportunities mental health wise. That is, that, that is awesome. Uh, uh, my wife and I, uh, I, I got her for her birthday. Uh, it had nothing to do with, with that, but I, I think 
it, it should be a group structure. We did goat baby goat yoga a few weeks ago, and I never did yeah. I, I never did <laughs> yoga before, but uh, but really it's all about the goats, you know. They're meh, yeah. you know, they're, they're baby goats. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's it's fun stuff. I I, I can see that uh, as as being uh, it's, it's a it's a great uh, de stressor. Uh, I had um, a, a coworker of mine, the guy who trained me when I joined my current name uh, agency. Uh, he committed suicide. Um, I issues issues all the way around, but uh, uh, my agency is doing a great job of 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 helping us with with uh mental re, 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 resiliency um and it's you know it's it's something that used to be where it would be like oh he can't handle the job anymore you know put him into another unit now it, it, it's it's more you know uh you know let's 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 nurture this let's just let's help people i always thought it was callous to it uh I, I really, I, I can't deal with old people being abused. I cannot deal with animal abuse. I do not know why I have a CSAM uh, part of me where I can just do do this work. But it was, uh, and we, we you and I talked about this off camera, uh, 2020, right, the COVID action uh, December, it was, it was, uh, a grand jury. I had, to, I had to present an indictment to a grand jury and it was their last, it was their last segment, uh, for the year. So their, their last, their last run. And I was the last person presenting. And I, I, I was telling them the facts of the CSAM case, but one, one, uh, uh, the grand jury members wanted to know the details of the material that was involved and always ask questions, always, always, you know, question everything. There's no big deal. Uh, usually, you know, it's, 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 it's a child porn case. And they're like, fourth amendment. You're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. We don't want to hear anymore. Well, one guy wanted to know the details of the, of the case. And I, I told them, Christmas party for this grand jury left them it just obliterated them uh I walked out of there and I, I told you like Kaiser Zose from from uh the usual suspects and the only thing I could think of was I want to get a cheeseburger from Wendy's and I'm driving halfway home and I realized like I just I just messed up this whole this 12 people they're ruined and I, all I could think about was a cheeseburger and that's why I realized uh my thinking's not normal anymore sure you know yeah and, <laughs> and in line with that and yeah and like we I know most of us like do kind of have to watch who we talk about what we do to I mean most of our you know, friends and family don't even want to hear about it. But I do think that's why it's really important within your workplace and within the forensic community as a whole to have a really tight knit group of yes. people. Like I'm fortunate enough that not only am I good friends with my coworkers, I'm also good friends with multiple other people such as yourself 
who also work in the forensic community at other police departments and whatnot. And so if you ever have a case that's just really sitting in your mind and disturbing you, I'll just, you know, talk about it to one of my forensic friends because I know that they can handle it because they do the same thing. But I'm not going to, like, you know, go visit my parents or talk to someone else who's not in the forensic community because they don't. It'd be like your Christmas party. I mean, it's a great way to ruin any social situation and thoroughly disturb people. Um, But we all have to have that kind of compartmentalization, I guess, in our brains to be able to to do it. But I've always said that if you are capable of handling it, why not do it? Because someone has to do it. And so if you can find it in yourself to be able to handle it, you know, if we all just threw our hands up and said, nope, this is too much, no one would be out there doing doing the work that needs to be done. So I recognized within myself that I was capable of handling it during my internship back in the day. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm called to do, I guess. Yeah, I, I, and I, I agree. I, I always say the same things. Like I could never be, I could never be a nurse, like an actual nurse who has to care for people like that or a kindergarten teacher. Uh, I, I, I just, I just couldn't, but, but yes, I, that it, it's my calling and uh, God knows I've sinned enough where maybe this is what gets me out of hell. I don't know, but, sure. but I, I just, I just know that it's the right thing to do. And we're, we're, we're putting the real monsters, monsters we're putting away. Absolutely. You know? There's nothing, nothing more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, that that is that is just yeah. It's something special we do. I don't know. I just a little gloat for people in our jobs, you know, for that. Yeah. Speaking of this too, though, uh, I know with your uh, mental health, I'm not gonna. Well, we'll do a little plug here. You have a podcast. <laughs> I do. Um, And it actually is quite connected to the situation that I was describing before. Um, That same co-worker who sadly ended up um, going to work elsewhere after realizing that the job wasn't for him, he was, you know, and this is why he was brave enough to speak up for himself, he was just a huge advocate for mental health in general. And so him and I had been talking over a series of days or weeks or whatever about things that we could do outside of work to be mental health positive. And I was kind of talking about how I didn't really feel like I had a lot of hobbies and whatever. And I guess he kind of enjoyed like the the true crime facts and the various things that I was always talking about, like at the lunch table. And so he was like, you know what, you should start a podcast. And so as a longtime listener of podcasts and a big podcast fan in general, I kind of started thinking about it and I was like, you know, I think he might be on to something. So yeah, that was at the end of 2021. I started brainstorming ideas and ended up coming up with a concept called Holidays After Dark, which takes the the mainstream holidays we all know and love because I'm absolutely holiday obsessed and I have been my whole life. But then I also, as I mentioned, am true crime obsessed Mm -hmm. and obsessed with weird stuff and dark stuff and creepy stuff. So I just kind of smashed the two together and the podcast was was born. Holiday, hol, holidays after dark. I am, am I 
I may be featured in one of those episodes, right? My my own <laughs> my sure? own ghost stories, right? You sure are. <laughs> I believe it was Halloween of last yes. year, and yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was about a place that I had never even heard of before, and and I'll be honest with you, going to bed those couple nights after you told me that story, I was a little creeped out. <laughs> yeah, the for the the Forestman Castle in uh, Clearyville, New York. Uh, yeah, yeah, um. um Oh, I'm a believer in ghosts, obviously, because I've experienced ghost stories myself. Uh, but you, you, your podcast is is fantastic, and the fact that you you write your monologue uh, for each and every episode is is crazy. Like I have I have guests on, so I only have to do half the talking. Most of the time, I listen <laughs> and I just you know shake and not. But you actually, you, yeah. you have to put together a term paper for every single episode you do. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that is true. And that is true. But connecting it back to work, like, it really is. Like, sometimes I'll get home at the end of the day and I'll just get lost in, you know, the script writing or the research. And it's it's really accomplished exactly what I set out to accomplish through doing it, which is giving me something positive to do and something productive to do because I think it's one thing if you get home from a stressful day if you just you know lay in front of the television until it's time to go to bed I mean yeah that can serve a purpose too but if you struggle with any kind of you know anxiety or whatever it's not always the best because you kind of get lost in your own mind whereas if I'm feeling stressed or kind of want to get away from the work mindset I'll just get lost in the next episode because I always have deadlines. I always have mm-hmm. things I need to do with it. Um, and so I encourage everyone in law enforcement, in the forensic community to find a hobby. It doesn't have to be a podcast, but it can be um, to find a hobby that when you really feel like you get lost in it and it takes you away from the stress of, of the day to day. That's why. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, that's I, I, I'm a culinary arts man. I'm not. I'm not a chef by any means. But I, and cooking, cooking is. It gives me. It's very cathartic. Uh, you know. This, this, of course, this podcast is too. But for for on the day to day basis, is I want to. I always. I I like planning my meals. You know, at nine thirty, ten o'clock, I'm texting my wife like, "Hey, what do you think about this for dinner?" And she's like, "I just, you know." <laughs> All right. Sure. And, but but I want to. Yeah, but food. you know, I I, I want to plan. I want to plan the meals. You know, sure. I, I I enjoy I enjoy all of that. So I understand. I understand that to have to have oh, that yeah. after you after you leave work, you got something. Also mowing the lawn. I'm a guy. I like I like seeing the mo the the lawn fully mowed. You know, with with, yeah. with the lines well, and stuff, and then. The food photos that you post (laughs) make my mouth water all the time. I'm always like, man, how far away is South Carolina? (laughs) Will it still be hot by the time I get there? And and it's it's, it's funny you should mention that because that's, you know, hashtag Instagram uh, food was if you want to join that. (laughs) But yeah. This is just a self-promotion podcast (laughs) for both of us. That's all this episode was. So... uh, Kristen, uh, what else do you have for us? We we talked we talked St. Louis, uh, we talked forensics, uh, female in uh, in in law enforcement, civilian civilian wise. Um, any advice? Any any interest in volunteering, becoming an instructor with IASIS? I know IASIS loves it when I try to pull this thing in. So, uh, you 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 could teach you could teach a course. 
Peach, of course. I know. Yeah, it's definitely on my radar. As I was, like, newer in the police department, I'm not sure that I would be able to, like, use work time to do those things. So I've it's always been, like, a PTO issue for me mostly. Um, but certainly as I continue to get further along in my career and um, whatever, now that I've checked a lot of those boxes that I've had to check, because we are an accredited crime lab, mm-hmm. and so we have a lot of, like, training regiment the first two years is basically nothing but training and so it's it has to be like boom 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 to get it all done but I mean IASIS has always been a great organization and I mean I came into this job with next to no computer knowledge or experience so I mean when I when I went to the BCFE course I mean I was pretty much as blank blank of a slate as you could get Um, so it was absolutely like drinking from a fire hose for those two weeks because I hadn't even, I've never even like heard of the term binary before. (laughs) Like, I mean, I was like that bad, um, just because it wasn't my world. I mean, I was a social sciences chick. I was not a, um, computer person at all. Um, and so just, I can already tell in these three and a half years from getting the CFCE, from doing the mobile certification with MDF and everything, I mean, I can just see how far I've come and I can laugh at, you know, the level of knowledge that I used to have. And I mean, I still have a long way to go and I'm certainly still not the most computer knowledgeable person in the room. But it has been largely thanks to IASIS, um, just my foundation in general. IASIS is basically my university for, for computer schooling. So I would love to give back at some point. Um so yeah, definitely, I'll definitely keep that on my on my list for the future. Yeah, and and, and they and they they take care they take care of their volunteers. I mean, they're, they're, there's perks and, and what have you not. Uh, but also at the same time, don't forget, I, I was a uh, high and tight road uh, county deputy. I had the, you know the the typical cop cut, not none of this, and then I was a burglary detective. Um, I knew. Uh, uh, what was that file sharing thing back in the t- day? Sh- not, sh- not Shazam, a uh, Napster, Napster, and what, what have you? Oh, okay. And then <laughs> this, my yeah. agency hired me in computer crimes. And I was like, boom, here we, and everything was uh, on the job training, you know. But I was the yeah. same way. I was, I was a, I was just a, a just, just you know, a, a old school, you know, police detective for a sheriff's office. Uh, you yeah. know, just, just, I wouldn't say beating down doors, but just, just, well, sure. you know, uh, and, and I think, and I think people like you and I bring in, you know, other skill sets and obviously we contribute, you know, tech wise now too. But I think initially, I think the reason why I was even hired into the job because, you know, computer wise, they never would have hired me. Um, but I came in with those investigative skills, with the analysis skills, um, from my previous job with the FBI and from my education. And so I, that's when I, when I talk to school groups or even when we're doing interviews to hire someone new, um, like you said, it's, it's on the job training. Like we can, if you're willing to learn, oh, yeah. yes. we can pretty much teach yes. anyone to do it, but you at least have to have that investigative mindset of being able to put the puzzle pieces together and not just wanting to stop at surface level. Yeah. We have, yeah, my, my, my unit, 
are all street cops. Uh, there's there's one guy, and I think he's the only guy in my unit who actually listens to this podcast. Uh, Clint, I'm not going to give his last name out. He's the only super genius we have. Everybody else is that we're we're, we're all road cop or street street police officers who became digital forensic examiners. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's it's. Well, I'll shout out I'll shout out my coworker Bill because we were actually hired two weeks apart, and he is our super genius <laughs> tech guy. He's our technical manager. Um, our unit, I think, would sink without him. Um, and he has taught me so much just because he came in with just a level of knowledge that I just couldn't even comprehend. Um, and so he's been my, he's been my OG ride or die since day one. We've been through everything, BCFE, MDF, everything together. So he's, he's our, he's our Clint. <laughs> uh, yeah. The bill, the bill I know the one. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, good. Uh, Kristen, anything else? Anything else you have to say? And I, I know it's, uh, I, I got to make sure uh, it's Kristen with two eyes, Kyle. Kristen with two eyes. It, it's n- n- all eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I'll just leave it with, you know, like you said, being a female in this industry, we're still in the minority. Um, I personally love working with a bunch of guys and have always loved the dynamic, but in the same note, I also would always, you know, continue to encourage, uh, females who are interested in law enforcement, digital forensics to pursue it because it can seem intimidating from the outside, you know, walking into a room with a a bunch of men, especially if you're a younger female, uh, it can be intimidating, but from my experience, from IASIS to any other training I've ever been to and to my own workplace, they're all the nicest, most welcoming group of people. Digital forensics as a community as a whole, I've just been so impressed since day one. And everyone's always willing to teach you something and give you feedback and be constructive. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in it, you know, try to do an internship, try to find a mentor. Um, it's really just a great job. You'll be more rewarded than you've ever been in your life. Um, and yeah, just, you know, stay self-aware and put yourself first and treat your mental health like a priority. And I think it can be an absolutely fantastic, uh, way to spend a career. It it is. Uh, and I'll say it again, you sleep well at night. I know, I know we, we deal with a lot of problems, but you're putting monsters away. So that's, 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 that's that's our number one job. Literally we we deal with monsters, monsters. So we're we're, hunting. Yes. I I try to relate it to like a horror movie. You know, again, I'm the, the horror dark nerd, but it's like chasing the boogeyman. And at the end of every horror movie, you get to be the one that comes out on top. Correct. So it's, it's a great, it's a great feeling. Correct. Correct. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Kristen Searing, St. Louis County, Missouri, uh, IASIS certified multiple times. Uh, Kristen, thank you. Your podcast is Holidays After Dark. Please look for it wherever you find your podcast, correct? Yep. Yeah, and and Kyle, I know uh, Kyle's going to get on me because we are not on... um, uh, iHeartRadio yet. Uh, I'm supposed to get on that. So, Kristen, a pleasure. A pleasure. I, I wanted this episode. Thank you for having, uh, for being on, and uh, we'll be seeing you. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was super fun. And yeah, I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Absolutely. All right, Chris, and thank you so much. All right.